16. So uh, here's my my custom every week, all right? 99% of the time. Uh, I usually sleep in a little bit on Saturdays, especially in the wintertime when, you know, there's nothing to go mow outside. And uh, then I come in here. Uh, after I grab a little breakfast, I come in here and I practice. I, I get up here and I preach like you all are here even though you're not. It probably would look a little funny if somebody just walked in, and they do sometimes. Um, and uh, so yesterday I came in and I, I, I did my thing. I ran through, practiced everything. And uh, out of curiosity and somewhat out of kind of knowing myself, um, I checked my timer because I time it to say, all right, and where am I at here? Because I don't want to keep everybody still supper. Um, not that it would be a bad thing, but, uh, but I turn, I look and have my halfway through and I hit the, I hit the mark, like halfway through my sermon. And so I thought, okay, um, this isn't going to work. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, the program that you have in front of you, the bulletin, um, is two sermons. And uh, I'm only going to preach one of them today, I promise. Okay. Um, so after point two, once we get through that one, we're like, we're, we're calling it. All right. And so next Sunday, I'm calling it audible. To keep it in the football language, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the second half second half next week because uh, next week we're gonna talk. I'll just tell you <clears throat> we're gonna talk and try to answer the question biblically: Is it okay if I divorce, and is it okay if I remarry if I divorce? And uh, I didn't want to try to squeeze it in. And now, right now, you're thinking, you know, Andy, without that introduction, you probably could get through the whole sermon right now. Um, so <laughs> uh, that, that's too important of a question to to just try to to cram in um, today. So, okay, so we're just going to get through half of my half the sermon today and half half next week. Okay, just a heads up. I don't know if it even means anything to you. You could have been like Andy. I, we don't care. Just do it and then call it good when you're good. Okay. Um, so anyway, so we're we're going to dive in. Um, we're in this series called Stretch, and we talked. The first leg of it was about stretching your money, uh, meaning what does it mean to manage what God has blessed us with financially, and how do we best honor Him with those gifts. And then we went into this marriage uh, aspect of it. And what does it mean to stretch our marriage? What does it mean to stretch ourselves uh, when it comes to having a biblical marriage uh, so that we can have a, a marriage that will last till death do us part? You know, what God brings together, let, let no man separate. And there are two verses, uh, two passages of Scripture that probably trump all the other passages of Scripture that when it comes to a wedding, you would probably hear these verses and when I do premarital counseling, they absolutely would hear um, these verses. One of them um, I shared a couple of weeks ago, so we'll just hit a couple of those. Uh, but the other one is in Genesis chapter 2. And the context for Genesis chapter 2 is this. Um, Genesis chapter 1, of course, is the creation of the world. Um, and at the end, it says that God looked at everything that he made and he said what? No, he didn't. He said it was very good. Right? He said it was very good. And uh, so I called you out right there for the first uh, 10 minutes. Um, as he said it was very good. And then the second chapter of Genesis, it's like he takes that verse out of Genesis 1 where it says he created um, them in his image. Um, and it, it expands on it. It expands on the creation of man uh, in Genesis chapter 2. And in Genesis chapter 2, um, God looked at himself being the three of them which is a whole confusing thing, right? God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were always all there from the get-go. And they looked in community and said, hey, it's not good for man to what? Be alone, right? And so it wasn't, when I read this, I think, huh, that's kind of an odd jump. But he didn't go straight to, it's not good for man to be alone, and boom, there's Eve. Do you remember what he did in, in between there? 
Yeah, he had all the animals. And so uh, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he had all the animals come in front of Adam, and Adam got to name all the animals. And I was listening to this podcast a couple years ago, and I probably shared this uh, a couple years ago after I heard it, because I thought it was pretty fascinating, um, that this guy was uh, sharing from um, the Bible from a Jewish perspective. Um, and he said this, he said, I think that God had the, all the animals come before Adam so that Adam would realize that he's not an animal, that he's not an animal. And uh, so that when God, you know, when he created Eve, he recognized very clearly, this is now someone that can help me. This is how now someone that can share the load. This is someone I can communicate with, talk with, who walks like me, talks like me, looks, uh, you know, two ears, nose, and a mouth like me, right? Um, and uh, uh, so anyway, I think that he wanted that because um, there's a difference. And when it comes to marriage, when it comes to selfishness, when it comes to acting on our, um, uh, our desires, we need to remember that we're not animals, right? When an animal wants to, do, wants to eat, it goes to find something to eat. Um, people have to have self-control and discipline. When an animal wants to mate, it goes to mate. When people... When we have those desires, we need to have self-control and discipline in those aspects of our life. We are not animals. And so I think that's very fascinating. But then, um, then uh, Adam realized, you know, after naming all the animals, that no suitable helper was found. And so God put him into this deep sleep, and he took a rib from his side, and uh, he made Eve. And then Adam, and I don't know if it was a quick recovery, if God just went and he recovered right away, or if it was like a three-day convalescent thing. I, I don't know. Um, but he, he came to after that. And then, uh, and then the Bible says that God brought Eve and gave her to Adam, the first giving away of the bride to the groom, which is pretty cool. And then Adam saw her, and he was elated, right? And uh, there, there was elation for a couple of reasons. Number one... Here's someone I can talk with. Here's someone that can work with me. Here's someone I can communicate with. And I would imagine the other part was, whoa, she looks good. You know, she shall be called, whoa, man, right? Because uh, she was, that was really bad. Because she was, uh, she was taken out, she was taken out of man, right? She was woman. And so um, this is what it says in Genesis chapter 2 in the verses I want to get to. Verses 24 and 25, okay? So after God gives the bride away to the groom... And he's elated, and he says, At last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Um, God, the, the Bible says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. And all the men in the room said, Amen. Oh, come on, guys. It's marriage. It's okay. All right? The other, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. This will be my last sermon today. We won't get to the second half. So in Ephesians chapter 5 is the other passage of Scripture that, that we go to. For, and I shared that one a couple weeks ago. But I just want to share two verses from that Ephesians 5 passage uh, that we looked at a couple weeks ago. Paul said this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And then in verse 25, he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I share these few verses because I wanted to talk about what it looks like um, to have problems within marriage. Uh, because I think every marriage, married couple has probably faced those problems. But there are many couples within our community and within our, within our church um, that are struggling right now. And uh, many marriage problems can be avoided with proper preparedness. 
many marriage, marriage problems and issues can be avoided if we prepare correctly. And so I want to share this probably more for parents that have kids that are starting to date or looking forward or ahead to dating, um, maybe couples here that are dating seriously or thinking about marriage or whatever, um, that I want to go through these things because, one, if you're having marriage problems, it may help you to identify, yeah, we didn't do that on the up front, and so it's no wonder we're kind of dealing with some things. Now what do we do about it? But also, for those that are single and those that maybe want to get married or think about it, or those with kids and grandkids, that maybe some things that we, that we find in these scriptures will help us coach them, train them, teach them, so that they don't make some of those problems that maybe you, maybe that you and I have had. Okay, But many marriage problems, they can be avoided um, with preparedness. Um, so let's look at those couple of verses, okay? The first one, Genesis chapter 2, the first thing that we see is this leaving aspect. There's this leaving aspect. And this could apply to marriage problems that are happening today, that sometimes um, Junior never left mommy's apron, spring, apron strings, right? Um, and you know who you are, and we won't point you out, but your wife can elbow you. And there are some women that have a hard time leaving their, leaving their mom, leaving um, dad as well, and, and allowing herself to be under the leadership of this, of this new person that's now in her life. Um, but God very clearly said, for this reason, that a bride has been brought and given to her husband, um, he shall leave his father and mother. And there's this leaving aspect that takes place. And so when it comes to preparedness, if someone's not ready to leave mom and dad's basement and give up the video games and the Cheetos and the Mountain Dew, um, they may not be great marriage material yet. It doesn't mean that they can't get there. There's too much laughing over there on that video game comment, right? <laughs> um, it may, they may not be there yet. doesn't mean they can't get there. But... If someone's not ready and prepared to leave mom and dad's house, which means he's ready to go to another place in which there's a roof and running water and, you know, uh, electricity and all that, and that he's not able to provide for his wife and a new family, like put food on the table, he's probably not prepared yet for marriage. And so, ladies, if you're looking for someone, I wouldn't, I wouldn't steer you toward that that guy and say that he's ready yet. He can date them and say maybe they'll be ready someday, but I would say at that point they're not because they can't provide for you. Because when your dad brings his little princess down the aisle, he's saying he's putting himself in, in God's shoes, so to speak. Don't take that as blasphemy. And saying we've been watching over and protecting her for all these years. Now we're giving her over to you to have that responsibility now. And so parents, you need to be vetting this groom-to-be and make sure that he is ready to. Are you going to provide for, for my princess? Are you going to take care of her? Are you going to clothe her and put food on her table and roof over her? Are you, going to, are you going to do those things? That's part of preparedness. There's this leaving aspect. When we look in the New Testament in the first century, um, what we have is that... Uh, awkward pause. Is that the um, groom's family and the bride's family-to-be would come together and say, we're going to arrange this marriage. And uh, then the groom would go home, groom-to-be would go home um, with dad, and they would build a domicile. They would build a house. And sometimes it was an addition onto the family home, uh, but it was to build a place for him to bring his bride home to. And he couldn't go get his bride until dad approved of the house and said, okay, it's ready now. We can go get your bride. And she was waiting, and then they'd get her and bring her back. And that's part of leaving. Are you able to provide and to support 
this bride that you're going to bring into the home. The second part of that verse is, uh, I, I use the word cleave because it rhymes, but it basically means to hold fast to, all right? To hold fast to your wife. So there's a leaving part, and then there's a holding fast to your wife. We don't get married only to live separate lives. We get married to live a life together, and we hold fast to our wife. When you hold fast to your wife, it means like when you open up the umbrella, both of you are covered instead of just taking care of yourself. When we cleave, when we hold fast to our wife, it means that we're in this together, in this journey together. It's not of I and me and mine over here and yours over there. It's this is us. This is we. We're, we're doing this thing together. And so God said, for this reason, this bride being given to this groom, a man shall leave his father and mother. So he's ready to be on his own and be um, take care of a family. And then he holds fast to his wife. And so she comes in and he's taking care of providing, making sure all those things are cared for. And then um, there's this aspect of uh, not just leaving and cleaving, but then the two becoming one. And so there's this believing, because it takes trust, to say that we're in this together and everything we do, we're going to communicate openly. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to know that each other is a sinner saved by grace. And so there will be mess ups along the way. But we're willing to talk those things out and sit down and communicate and work through those things. That's a belief in the whole marriage vows and marriage relationship to say that's what God has called us to. I believe it. And so as many bumps and bruises as may come with it, that's what we're in for. I might be a spender and you're a saver, but now we're in this together. And so I'm going to believe that we're going to communicate and talk about it. And I'm not going to go off spending money somewhere and not tell you about it because we are one. And I believe in the relationship of the two becoming one. And when those things happen, the whole naked and unashamed thing comes into play. And it's not just about the physical. Naked and unashamed means that we're just transparent before each other. And when a husband leaves his parents' house and holds fast to his wife, and the two become one, there's this great, beautiful transparency of saying, we are one person, we're in this together, we're journeying through life together, regardless of what may come our way, what tests we may have to pass, whatever Satan may try to do in tripping us up as we're walking down the journey, we believe in this institution of marriage and what God has brought together, and we're not going to let anybody separate it from us. And the last one absolutely does not rhyme whatsoever. But I want to encourage you, if you are single in particular, if you have kids, grandkids, nieces and nephews that have influence, that you have influence, um, I want you to talk with them about the list. <laughs> they need to have a non-negotiable list of these are the things that I'm looking for when it comes to a future spouse. Because this is how relationships start. You look good. You think I look good. Let's go kiss them. Right? No, Andy, that wasn't us. Yeah, sure it wasn't, right? That's how it happens. So we get so goo-goo-gaga, our, our physical emotions and desires just start to take over, and we don't even know what their favorite color is, right? Um, we're just like, I'm so in love, and I love this person. Oh, it's so wonderful being with them. Oh, really? Uh, is he or she a believer? I don't know yet. Well, there's other important things to know. And if we don't make a list, guess what? We're not going to follow anything other than what our heart or fleshly desire is calling us to do. And so someone has to be the wise person in all of this and say, okay, hang on. 
I know you're in love and your hormones are going crazy, but let's slow down a second. Let's talk about what a spouse really looks like that God would have called you to be uh, to be your spouse. And I hope, I pray, I plead with you, I beg you, especially if you're a young person in this room, that the top of your list is that he or she is a believer. Because I'm going to tell you right now that if you are a believer and you marry someone who is not, there is going to be problems. And I'm just bringing you that from my years. And I haven't had a hundred years experience in ministry, but I've had enough. And I've talked to enough couples, but I can tell you that if there's one person that's a believer and the other person is not, and you're trying to win them over, you're trying to save them, you better make that happen before the marriage because it's going to cause problems. It really is. Now, you might be someone saying, man, as soon as I'm out of my parents' house, I'm out. I don't like this faith thing. I don't want this. Okay. That's a whole other conversation. And I hope our parents here don't have to deal with that. But even if you're thinking, I may circle around to this church thing some other time or after college or whatever, if you're not looking for someone that's a believer, I can tell you right now there will be problems. Let me give you a test to help you know whether someone might be a believer or not. Um, this is more for guys, okay, because guys should be using the pickup lines, okay? So here are some pickup lines that you might be able to use, all right? The first one is this. I believe one of my ribs belongs to you. Or you make the Queen of Sheba look like a hobo. How many times do I have to walk around you to make you fall for me? So last night I was reading in the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Or my favorite one, hey girl, your hair is like a flock of goats descending from Gilead. <laughs> now, here's the test. If you say any of those pickup lines to a girl and she looks at you with a blank stare, she at least doesn't know her Bible and may not be a believer, right? But seriously, you want to journey through life. And get through the valleys and the pits and everything that Satan wants to throw at you. It is so much better of a journey and lasting of a journey if you're doing it with someone that loves Jesus with you. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Paul just poured it out with common sense. And just says, Believer, what do you have in common with an unbeliever that you would tie together with them in the most in intimate, close living thing of all of creation, of all the world? Why would you bring them into something that you're with them more than you are with anybody else? Why would you partner with someone who's not a believer? It just doesn't make sense. It just does not make sense. Now, before you say Andy doesn't think we should marry sinners around here, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying that you may be dating an unbeliever, but if they don't become a Christian and don't surrender to Jesus and show their faithfulness to him beforehand, please slow things down until you figure that out. Because if you don't, again, there will be problems. I hope that you'll put on your list hard worker. Why? Because... God created us to be workers. Ladies, marry the boy that when he comes over for dinner says, Hey, Mrs. Jones, can I help you with those dishes? That's the one we want you to marry. 
We want you to marry the one that uh, comes over and says, oh, your dad's working on the yard. Maybe I can go give him a hand. That's the one we want you to marry. Right? Um, guys, we want you to marry the girl that when she comes over for dinner says, yes, can I help with that? Or how can I, how can I be of assistance to you? We want someone who says, well, they couldn't come over to dinner tonight because they're working their second job trying to work their way through school. We want people that are, want you to marry someone who that's a hard worker. Because laziness is so easy to give into. And video games does not count as a job. I'm really hard on video games. I've met too many guys that are in their 30s and 40s that are so the video games that I'm ready just to bust them all up, throw them in a big pile and burn them all. I don't know about you guys, but they drive me nuts. Um, uh, this, the next thing I would say is if you are looking for, if you are someone that would desire to be married and you're looking, um, if that person is exuding the fruit of the Spirit, is something that should be on your list. Um, when you're with them, is there love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control? Against those things, there's no law, right? That's what Paul tells us. And so if we are dating someone, we're thinking about marriage, if we don't see those characteristics, we have to question, is the fruit of the Spirit or is the Holy Spirit really in you? Because is God in you, residing in you, that these things are coming out and we would... We want, you to, we want you to have that person because I want you to experience that kind of marriage. Not enough of you laughed at the video game thing where I'm really concerned about my audience and what you guys are doing with video games. Anyway, and the last thing I'll say is this. When I do premarital counseling um, with the guys, we turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3. And 1 Timothy chapter 3 has a list of what? Does anybody know? Qualifications for eldership. And what I say to the guys is I say this. I don't know if you'll ever be an elder of a church. But if there's something to strive for, it's to strive to be someone that is capable or qualified to lead God's church, then you definitely can lead a marriage. And so look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. They're not a womanizer. They have a good reputation. They manage their household well. All of those things are qualifications for an elder. And ladies, if you're dating someone seriously or looking at them, if, they, if they're someone that's striving to be someone that could be qualified to lead God's church, then yes, that's the guy we want for you. And guys, as you are looking at ladies, Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31, they've created whole ministries on being a Proverbs 31 woman. And uh, if you read that passage of Scripture, it, it talks about what a, um, what a wonderful wife is and what she looks like and what she does. And she takes care of the home and she quite frankly, makes her husband look good and their family has a great reputation in the community because of the hard work that she does. And that's the kind of lady that we would wish for you. So many marriage problems happen with not going through the preparedness stage of slowing down and saying, all right, what does it look like for us to have a marriage that honors and glorifies God? Who is it that I'm marrying? Is this person exuding the fruit of the Spirit? Are they... Qualify? Are they someone that is just seeking Jesus? And that's who we would love for you to be. Who we'd love for you to be matched with um, for all your years here on earth. But the fact is this. Um, sometimes we missed those preparedness steps, didn't we? Uh, sometimes things happen. Um, people have sex before marriage. Nothing in the Bible will tell you that sex before marriage is the order in which things go. Hebrews 2.14 says, uh, don't defile, or 7.14 says, don't defile the marriage bed, right? And so that's something that the Bible says not to do. Um, it doesn't say to have kids uh, out, or we have 
because someone gets pregnant, and so then they're like, okay, I guess we should get married um, to, t- to make sure we take care of this, and we're a family, and, and so those things come up. We uh, are so physically um, attracted to someone, and that infatuation has taken place, that we don't stop to find out if they're a believer, what their dreams are, and what kind of person that they are, and so before you know it, it might be in year one, it might be year seven, it might be year 27 or 47, that people look at each other and say, I don't even know you, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. And so problems arise. And so what do we do? What do we do when these problems arise? What happens when maybe it was a preparedness thing? Maybe we did prepare really well, but again, we get years into it and we're like, this thing is not working. What do we do about it? Well, First Peter chapter 3 says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Having my wife call me Lord. All right, we'll get back to that one. And you are, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. I want to walk through some things that I see in what Peter said that when problems start to arise in our marriages, when things are starting to go wrong, some things that we should take to heart. First, we remember our role. We remember our role. Sometimes when marriage problems and fights start to get out of hand and control and people are really frustrated and get entangled up with things, it's important for each of us as husband and wife to remember what our role is. As a husband, as I see in Scripture, and you can send your hate mail to Tim at kccwire.com, I'm called to lead my wife. I'm called to lead my home. God created men to lead their home. And so when there's problems, I need to sit back and say, Andy, are you leading your wife well? Or are you just wanting to be a selfish pig, wanting everything done your way and on your terms and on your timing? And I need to remember my role. In the same way, the wife needs to look back and say, what's my role? Am I really submitting to my husband's leadership? Is the cause of any of this fighting because I want control because I don't like the direction that we're going? What does it look like for you to remember the role that you have in this relationship as husband and wife? Biblically, what has God called you to be? Secondly, focus on your behavior. You can't control what your spouse is going to do, think, or feel. Right? Just like in any argument you might have with any person, you can only control what you can control. You can only do what you can do. You can't make them do whatever. And so we need to remember our behavior and say, okay, I need to remember what my role is and I need to focus on what it means. And the ladies, it talks about having a quiet spirit and being beautiful, focusing on the beauty on the inside. And guys, it says to honor your wife and live with her in an understanding way. We all have behaviors that we can focus on when things are starting to get out of hand. Third, allow God to work. 
If I'm focusing on remembering my role and on my behavior, then I trust God to say, if I'm going to be the man of God that He's called me to be, even in the middle of this marriage issue that we're having, He can work things out. But it's going to work a lot easier if we're being the men and women of God He's called us to be. And then that other part that He says to husbands to live with your wives in an understanding way. We need to be understanding. We need to understand that we are different people. That we are approaching this marriage as with different personalities and different people and different emotions and all these things are just different. I get ready in like two minutes when I get out of the shower and my wife takes a little bit longer than that. And that's because women take longer in the bathroom than men do when it comes to getting all ready for the day. And that's just living with our spouse in an understanding way. Um, we uh, might focus on the house more or someone likes to focus on the yard more. Someone likes to get out and play more. We, we need to live with them in an understanding way that we're two people journeying through life together with our own needs and emotions and feelings and wants. And we need to communicate and work those things out, but live in an understanding way with your spouse. So here's just a, a few things to give you some applicable, applicable steps that you could take. One, if you're not communicating about the problems that you're having, if you're just quiet down, you go in your room and slam the door and don't talk to your spouse about stuff, there's a problem, right? We can't fix things if we don't communicate. We need to be communicating with each other. If there's an issue that you're having, your spouse may not even know it's an issue that it's making you upset. We need to communicate about those things. Secondly, um, uh, the elders here, uh, myself as a minister, other ministers on staff, Sometimes it's good just to bring your spouse in and just to sit down and talk with uh, someone in leadership here at the church and just say, we need somebody to listen. Uh, we need someone just to hear. We need that third party here. It's okay to call. We're free, right? We don't cost anything. Um, and so just call and set something up, and maybe that's a step that needs to be had. Um, third, meet with other Christian couples. If your life is just isolated for you and your spouse and you have no one else in your life that you're communicating with, and especially Christian people, you're missing on a huge opportunity that God has put around you to say, here's Christian community for you. I can tell you for sure here at Calcasca Church of Christ, we love marriage. We want your marriage to survive. We want you to live till death do you part. We want that for every single marriage in this room. I can tell you that unequivocally with full confidence on behalf of all the elders, the leadership, the, the, the staff that's here. That's what we want for you. We're here for you. We're here for you. And that also opens you up to a huge community of believers that want to also have you in their lives so we can sharpen each other as well. And the last thing, it's okay if you need professional counseling. It's okay if you need professional counseling. We can work out together. I, of course, would lead you toward a, a Christian counselor. Sometimes you come away feeling pretty beat up after seeing a counselor, but sometimes we need beat up after going to a counselor. But it's okay. And you might say, well, Andy, that's expensive. Well, it's a lot cheaper than divorce. So I've heard. And sometimes it takes that third party that's a professional, that's got the education, the certificates on the wall, to be able to pull out what needs to be pulled out and to give you some action steps to be able to get through those things. So next week, the first one is, can I divorce and what about remarriage? And we're going to tackle that one next week because i got 13, 12, 11 seconds left of my time today. So as you can tell, this needed to be two sermons. And so my whole thing that I wanted to start this two-part sermon thing off with was simply this. One, preparedness matters. All right, preparedness matters. 
And if you're having marriage problems, sometimes you can point back to that preparedness or lack thereof and say, you know what, I think that's probably why we may be having some issues right now. But it doesn't mean the marriage has to be over. We can work through that. How do we work through that? We remember who God created us to be as husbands and as wives. We remember what behavior we're supposed to be having as husbands and wives. And we need to communicate with one another. And yes, if someone else needs to come in where we can have that sharpening take place, we need to pursue that. Why? Because God loves marriage. He created it for us as a gift to give us. That we could journey through life with someone and just enjoy that life together. And so let's do it God's way. And let's focus on God's methodology and the system that He put in place. And as we do, I'm confident that His blessings will just pour out on married couples as we just say we're submitting to we're submitting to Jesus and what He wants our marriage to be. This is what I'm going to invite you to do right now. Um, if you're here with or without your spouse, uh, I've asked the elders, if they could, to come. And they're going to come up front while this next song is being sung. Uh, so the worship team, go ahead and come on up. And uh, while they're singing, if you would like to come up and just uh, have the elders pray over you and your marriage, uh, I just want you to, I, I want you to be able to do that. And again, if your spouse is not here and you aren't, that's okay too. Come up and just ask them. I would ask you this, um, that there's like eight, nine elders and there's 400 people here. And so um, save us the embarrassment by just saying, my name is so-and-so and this is my spouse so-and-so, so that we don't have to ask that, okay? Um, not for me, of course. Just the other guys, right? Uh, <laughs> um, but we want to pray for your marriages. Again, because we, we love marriage. And if there's a way that we can just pray for you, we want to offer that invitation for you to come up and just uh, just have the leadership just pray over your marriage. Okay? So stand. Uh, let me pray. We're going to sing. And if you would like that prayer for you and your spouse, uh, by all means, come on up. Father, you are awesome and mighty and powerful. We love you so much. And Father, we thank you for the gift of marriage. We really do. Um, journeying through life with another person that was created in your image as well is just a, a pleasure and an honor that um, you would uh, create a, a helpmate, that you would uh, bring two people together and just allow them to experience that journey. is It's just something that we love and appreciate, Father. And uh, so, Lord, I, I pray now that people wouldn't be shy. If they'd come up, we'd just get the opportunity to pray over the marriages in this room and uh, just to take the time to, to celebrate marriage and to be grateful for it and to pray, Lord, that if there are any problems that people are dealing with, uh, that they might be exposed, that we can enter in and try to help. Um, but most importantly, that all of us would remember that we were created for a specific purpose and a specific plan um, for your glory and your honor. And may we stay within that, Lord God, and not veer out of it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.